Hello everyone, welcome to episode 61 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan, with me as always is Jeannie Wu. Hey hey! And Andrew Brown. Hi! Uh, so episode 61, just uh, eight more till we can start making really bad, nice jokes. Nice! But not yet. Aww. It was your birthday yesterday, Ginny. How was that? It was really good. I spent less of it playing the Switch than I anticipated, but it was otherwise really good. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid social commitments. I know. I... We've actually got some news this week, so we'll we'll jump straight into that. Okay, so first up, uh, packed release window for the Switch this week. 31 games in total. Uh, is that the most released in one week? I feel like it's a record, but I don't have the facts in front of me, so <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, 31 games, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, that is incredibly impressive. And there's a hefty sale on as well. I, I picked up something. I picked up that Lone Wolf. I've had my eye on that for a while. Mm-hmm. Joe Diva's Lone Wolf. And, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of new RPGs. Or old RPG, should I say, got announced for the Switch and for other consoles this this last week, and it's caused Andrew to ask whether 2019 is the year of the RPG for Switch. Um, I just go back to like one of our first episodes, and I, I remember going, "More JRPGs, please! More RPGs! And <laughs> be careful yeah. what you wish for, people!" Like I've still got heaps in the backlog, and this list is just endless. So there's all the Final Fantasies that we know they're announced, 7, 9, 10, 10, 2, 12, uh, Crystal Chronicles Remastered. Uh, we know Pillars of Eternity 2 is coming at some point, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen, which I'm really excited for. Mm-hmm. And then this week we got a heap of, as Andrew calls it, that fake genre, uh, CRPGs coming. <laughs> it's not a real genre. <laughs> it's not, I completely agree. So we've got Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, Baldur's Gate, Siege of Dragonspear, Icewind Dale, Planetscape, Torment, Neverwinter Nights. Planescape, yes, Planescape. You're going to get the fanboys on you. That's like that's one of those games that everybody loves. So, <laughs> Come at me. No, please don't. <laughs> don't I'm, yeah, I'm don't. very sensitive. <laughs> uh, yeah, Planescape, Torment, Neverwinter Nights, Dragon Quest Eleven S, Dragon Quest Builders 2. I know someone on the team is very excited about that one. (laughs) Okay, good lord. (laughs) You can release it any day now, Square. I'm waiting. (laughs) Uh, Grandia 1 and 2 remastered as well, and heaps more that are either rumoured or unannounced at this stage. They're all my sort of jam, I think. So the Baldur's Gates one and Neverwinter Nights, they're all like D&D related, and Neverwinter Nights is meant to be massive. Was that a Bioware game, or am I getting that mixed up with something else? I think one of the expansions was. Yeah. Uh, okay. Or one, one of the spin-offs, rather. I, I like D&D. I like games in that fake genre, so they, these are all right up my alley. When am I going to get time to play them? Probably <laughs> never. Um, so just out of that exhaustive list, uh, we sort of touched on them already. What What couple are you most excited for? I am probably most excited for Dragon's Dogma, Neverwinter Nights, um, the Final Fantasies. Obviously, Seven is the one that I harp on about all the time. And if anyone asks me asks me about Final Fantasy, I just yell about Seven for two hours. So <laughs> I'll play that again for like the millionth time in my life. Um, 
I have loved Planescape Torment and will rebuy it again because I love it so much. I am one of those people that would have sent you angry mail <laughs> on the internet for getting the name wrong. And obviously Dragon Quest Builders too. So perhaps not the sort of rapturous reception Andrew would have given Dragon Quest Builders too. But I do really enjoy it. Um, the first DQ Builders was like my introduction to that not genre, but that weird crossover that they do of Dragon Quest and Minecraft and all the other weird little bits in between. And I loved it. Fully converted. So now I'm on the hype train. And I will definitely also not have any time to play any of these because of all the other games <laughs> dropping this year and the Final Fantasy fourteen expansion and just everything. But I will I will try my darndest to get through it. This is I think I think you're right. I definitely think that Andrew's prediction that this is the year of the Switch RPG, I think that's correct, because we still have the rumored Pokemon rpgs that are meant to be coming out like how the next installment is going to be like something like pokemon gale of darkness and i 100 percent believe that they're going to make that switch exclusive so i mean they, of course they have to so fingers crossed there'll be more there'll be so much more and we will hopefully never run out of material on the show <laughs> for the rest of the year i'm most interested in well all those pc D&D games because I've, I've never had a chance to play them. I've never had a platform I could play them on. Uh, I, I'm, I've talked about this with people on Twitter already. I'm sure these games are going to be janky as heck playing on Switch because they weren't great to play on PC. So now we're removing the mouse and the keyboard from the situation and we're going to play them with <laughs> a, a, a joystick. You know, I'm sure that's going to be awkward, but they're turn-based, so it's all right. We can work it out. Dragon Quest Eleven. I love Dragon Quest Eight. It's my favorite JRPG ever made. Uh, so I really want to play another good Dragon Quest because I've been kind of disappointed with my replay of many of the other games in the series. But looking down this list, except for like maybe Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles and Grandia, I uh, I'm not really seeing any that I would imagine I'm not going to get. Cool. For me in particular, it's going to be uh, Dragon's Dogma. Because I've I've not had chance to play that, and I've I've heard nothing but good things, and I've heard it. I I was listening to a podcast this week actually, and they described it as Dark Souls meets Shadow of the Colossus, which just sounds amazing to me. So yeah, yeah, I'd say more Monster Hunter meets Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll s- see who wins in the clash of the analogies <laughs> <laughs> later this year, and yeah, just all of those CRPGs. I I, I predict, and I saw you talk about this on Twitter, Andrew. Uh, that you're hoping that they're not going to just unleash them all at once, and I think they absolutely will. Well, all those Final Fantasy games, well, not all of them, but oh, like half of them are coming out in the last two weeks of April, which is... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, and uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, I've already played, but I- I'm interested to see how that fares on Switch. I did have a worry that they were just going to port over the 3DS version and pretty it up a bit, but it certainly doesn't look to be the case uh so I'm, i'd be happy to revisit that i really enjoyed that on ps4 well they're adding complete voice acting to the switch version so it's definitely going to be an upgrade over the ps4 release and it wasn't that shy of voice acting in the ps4 release as well so huh. it just fleshes it out a lot more uh, i wouldn't say it was complete voice voice acting but it was you know for for a jrpg anyway it was pretty good i thought uh so with that let's uh get on to what we played this last week cool so first up andrew and Ginny, you've both tried out a game called old school racer 2 how have you found that one 
I don't want to say nostalgic because I really hate it when people use that word. It just <laughs> has lost all meaning now in like criticism. But it is a game that reminds me of games that I've played a million times in the past. Um, not in a bad way. It's just something. I don't know if you guys all remember this, but like you know, in the era of flash games and like you know motorbike racing games, whereby it would just be like you one long map and you'd have to like steer a tiny little guy on his tiny little bike you know getting thrown around by all sorts of getting thrown around by i guess what our idea of physics was back then um trying to like do trick shots and deal with moving terrain and some sort of you know repetitive but motivational soundtrack that kept driving you on towards the end to speed up and go faster and take more risks and that is kind of what this game is like it is the name makes sense, Old School Racer 2. It is like an old school motorbike racing game that you would have played on a Flash website or Miniclip or something. It just has all those same touches, right down to the music, you know, just you and that one guy on your bike. Obviously, we're now in the 21st century, so we've diversified a bit. There are different maps and locales, and you can manipulate the terrain as you go through it. Um, which I find really interesting. There's checkpoints, which often those old games didn't have, so it's a bit more forgiving than the games that I played when I was like a little child. But it really just kind of harkens back to that day and that style of game. So I think aptly named, entertaining. Um, I prefer playing it in small bursts. Like I could just sit there and play like two hours of <laughs> Old School Racer 2. I would go a bit crazy. But like in between playing things like Wargroove and other stuff this week, I sort of find myself thinking about it, and I pop back in there do a couple stages, pop back out. So it's a good game to, I guess, just kind of have on there when you want to break from something else that you're playing. It's enjoyable. I liked it. Yeah, I played several games like this, not in a Flash format. Uh, that's, uh, that's a revelation to me. But there were several PlayStation Plus games that I had that were very similar to this, where it's just a side-scrolling vehicle game where most of the time you're in a motorcycle, but there are like dune buggies and carts that you can drive yeah. as well if, once you unlock them and you just go through this little platforming level basically and try to get through it as fast as you can there's time trials to finish on every level and there's also three little tokens to find in every level so it's really about learning how to control your vehicle as you navigate through these maps and trying to find all the stuff or get a top ranking medal in everyone and you know the more stuff that you earn levels the more levels you unlock as you work your way towards the end of the game and you can compete in trials to earn upgrades for all of your vehicles or to earn new vehicles entirely and it's very familiar there have been many games like this made by indie developers and released on mobile platforms mostly and then have migrated over to console and this is as good as any of them as I've played. So we got the developer sent us these codes directly, and we've already given a bunch of them out through a contest. So, yeah, uh, it's not bad, uh, but it's it's predictable. Now, one thing the developer did send the email to me was there were no le- currently no leaderboards. It's something he's hoping to add a bit later. Cool. So just add a bit of a competitive edge to it, I guess, so you can challenge mm. your friends and... Sounds cool. Uh, something I've been playing this week, uh, which isn't about flatulence, <laughs> but it's called Stillness of the Wind. <laughs> Couple, it's on multiple platforms. Um, it's it's one of those that the uh, is it really a game brigade wouldn't really like. It's more of a 
little storytelling experience. Uh, you play Talma, uh, an elderly goat farmer who's sort of towards the end of her years. Mm. You control it through point and click, so you, you'll, you know, she'll step out of her house each morning, You and you do the chores, you pick up the egg basket, go collect some stuff, you get your milk bucket, you go milk the goats, um, and you start doing these, like, daily mundane tasks. It takes you a while to sort of figure out a rhythm to it. It's, you know, it starts off really slow, but then just, just every so often a thing will happen. That makes you realise that, you know, there's there's other things going on in, in both the world and her life. So you'll get correspondence come through. There's like a trader who walks through every so often and delivers your mail and will, will trade you some of your life. Uh, your produce for for items and new seeds uh and these these correspondence letters they they deal with her family there's like a brother and sister both write to her with who are having like v- varying fortunes in in a nearby big city there's a daughter who she's estranged from uh and these things just keep coming in in drips and drabs it's a nice thoughtful game it's very slow. She's an old lady. It takes her a while to get places around mm. the farm. Um, and I I don't want to delve into some of the, the darker stuff that happens, but I had a good time with it. I, I kind of wish that the the meat of it came more often. Like, there's, sure. I feel like there's a pacing issue. Like, you'll go several in, in-game days before like just doing the mundane stuff like growing things and and doing the chores before anything happens Mm. and then like running the farm sort of gets a bit harder Mm. as you play Uh, especially a lot harder when you get your bucket stuck in the fence (laughs) you can do that (laughs) yes i was trying to collect some mail and she just dropped it in the middle of the fence and (laughs) refused to pick it up again which prevented me from farming stuff to help trade to feed my goats right, who all right, died yeah. eventually oh, um Jesus. some from so, some from starving <laughs> some from from other things I, I, i'll try hell. not to go into that um so I, I i finished the game had some thoughts on it uh and then basically when you beat it it takes you to a black screen i was trying to quit out trying to get you know get to the title screen again yeah Hit start, there's the options, maybe it's in there, hit options, and there was an option to reset all the item locations. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good stuff. I could have been growing things the whole damn time. <laughs> um but yeah, it's 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 relatively short. It's three hours long. It's a nice little emotional experience. I just kinda wish it got to the point a tad quicker. Sure. But worth a look, it's interesting. As I've spent uh way worse out three hours, so Andrew, this one, uh, I can't tell if this is the name of the thing or whether you just had trouble with Google Docs permissions. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually the but name of called... the thing. It's called Access Denied. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Access Denied. What's that about? I haven't heard about this one. It came out literally just today. And it's a puzzle game where you are given a box and you have to figure out how to open it. There's different controls on different sides of the box that you can jigger with to get the box to unlock. And then once you open it, it gives you another box to unlock. And there's actually 36 different boxes that you have to figure out how to open it. You know, none of the puzzles were all that clever. You know, mostly it was figure out the puzzle on one side of the box. Then that will give you a clue you need to figure out on the next side. Or maybe there will be... 
things you have to match up on different sides of the box. You're rotating it around a lot. But I beat the whole thing in about three hours while I was also watching One Day at a Time on Netflix. So it didn't require much of my time or all of my attention to get through it. But it was a puzzle game that kept me occupied for about three hours and I paid four bucks for it. So I was completely satisfied with it. That's all you really want from a puzzle game, really. Just something you can uh, play along to something else. That's all I look for. Mm-hmm. Sounds a little like uh, static on PSVR, which is cool. But like that's obviously designed and centered around the DualShock controller and, and, and how that works. So it sounds a little bit like that, which uh, sounds interesting to me. So yeah, we covered this a little bit uh, last week. Wargroove obviously released. It's been getting critically praised everywhere, left, right, and center. Yep. It sold extremely well. Uh, we've got notes here that uh, the first weekend of sales covered its entire development cost, which is wow. Well done, guys. We'll just cover some stuff. Some of it we might have covered last week. So, uh, Andrew, you've played more Advance Wars than... <laughs> Either of us, I think. Then it's probably healthy for one person to have done. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so you had some notes here about the, the design changes from Advanced Wars and how it differs. and It just has cool ideas it brings in, like uh, your commanders are always present on the map. Well, unless the map is designed so it doesn't have a commander. That's very rare, but it is possible to have those maps. But what have you guys thought about the commander play so far? Okay, so I'm still very early in. I had to play Stillness of the Wind instead of this. Uh, so I, I think I'm just part way into Chapter 2. I'm finding my commanders... They're more powerful than everything else. Mm-hmm. Or certainly the standard units. Um, but they get swamped very easily. And I'm finding that the enemies are just targeting them mm-hmm. left, right, and center. So I'm not, I'm not using them as much as I feel I should be. And they're basically causing me a lot of restarts. Because <laughs> oh. I, I I I think I'm in control, and then suddenly they're swamped and, and down, huh. which which is a bit annoying. Uh, but that's just me and my placement, and I haven't really figured out the best way to use all of them. I would say I think that's fair to say. I'm I'm still in the the phase where I'm figuring it out, and and I'm you know hitting it in very short bursts, which is why it's taking me so long. So maybe I just haven't got my head around that part yet. In terms of actually using them they've got some neat abilities uh so uh my character names are way off on this one mm. so like the the mage character anyone know his name i've just kind of been thinking of him as the as the old guy <laughs> yeah the old guy we'll go with that uh he can put down a crystal which which buffs and can sort of take out a, a square on, on the map i guess as well one of the others can trigger people to have two turns in a round. But yeah, I, I've, I've sort of found myself reluctant to use them as much just because enemies target them pretty hard. Mm. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you are doing anything wrong. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think that if you're not used to conceptualizing that other tier of troops that you put commanders in, you'll find it naturally difficult. Um I mean, just as someone that plays like a whole heap of Total War, 
um, stuff, it was really easy for me to see, like, the attention of the high-risk, high-reward payoff for the commander. Like, yeah, you can go in and wipe out a whole first wave, but then you're kind of caught with your pants down. And would you really ever leave your commander naked in the wild if you were skirmishing? I don't know. Like, no one would leave Alexander of Macedonia just in front of the phalanx. So I think just because I play so many um, military strategy games... I didn't have that issue with learning, I suppose, that learning curve of how to use them. I think that their skills are really unique and really useful and they thematically fit. And I think that kind of that thread kind of carries through the way that all the other units are, are characterized and built around each other. Um, so it's consistent. I mean, I talked about this briefly last week, how much I really enjoy the unique identity of, of the different classes and the commanders and the kingdoms in general and you know the more time i spend with this game the more i feel that way so just just to be clear i do love turn-based strategy games like this it's just in this particular instance maybe just because i'm lacking that perspective from from advanced wars Mm. just with this i'm finding it i'm not quite nailing how to use them Mm, and where whereas in something like and i'm gonna annoy you both fire emblem (laughs) i can if something's not working i can go and i and I can level these guys up, which is just, you know, it's a fundamental design difference. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, <laughs> so I just, I, I feel I, I'm lacking that ability as well. Like that ability to just go, okay, well, this isn't working. I can improve them in another sure. way. You know, it's not detracting from my enjoyment. It just means I'm having to, to work harder about how to go around a map and how to best yeah. uh, u- utilize them. And I'm mm-hmm. still figuring that out with some of the different ones. So, yeah. I have mixed feelings about how the commanders work because when you lose the commander, uh, it's an automatic game over. And it's not just in the campaign mode. It's like that. It's like that in every mode that you play. And the other way to win the map is to destroy your enemy's HQ, their little palace, which is buried clear behind their army on the other end of the map. You're you're. (laughs) You're almost never going to have that situation be more convenient than just going after their commander. and yeah like and commanders they're melee only they cannot hit flying units they're super vulnerable to just a pack of super cheap harpy units you get four harpies and positioned right you can completely surround them and it'll take two turns but you can wipe out the enemy commander with that or you can use one 1250 gold dragon that will pretty much kill a commander entirely and they can just do nothing but sit there and take it they are really effective against basic weak units which is what you're mostly going to be running into early on in the game but once the stronger units are on the field the commanders you have to use them a lot more sparingly Uh, and I, i really think the game would be a lot more interesting if there was less of a dire risk reward with the commanders that the game didn't end automatically when you lose your commander if it would just be a serious mistake you made, but one you can recover from if you play smart. That's not the direction they went, and it, it makes sense in the campaign because you are following these characters, and they are actually important parts of the story. So it makes sense that it ends when you lose your commander in the campaign, but when you're in the arcade mode or when you're playing online, I see very few situations where going for the enemy commander is not going to be a better choice than going for the enemy's stronghold uh just a a little little frustrated with that aspect of the game especially since on many of the maps you can get those dragons out almost right away so the commanders are 
a little too specialized right now, I think. And this is stuff that could be addressed in a sequel, just saying. Uh, as for the campaign itself, uh, we discussed this a little bit before the show, but it is the difficulty ramps up pretty quickly. <laughs> and a little length. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm struggling through a map at the moment. Again, I keep accidentally getting my commander into a position where I probably shouldn't. And yeah, I just, it, it does ramp up suddenly, I found. Mm. Uh, I was doing all right and then just wallop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm not that far to comment. I'm enjoying the story. I'm enjoying the charm. I think it's humorous. What did you guys make of it story-wise? Jenny, you finished it by now? I no, I, I I wanted to, <laughs> have not yet. Um, but I I am really enjoying it. It's it's just got it kind of reminded me of um if you guys have seen the Netflix anime The Dragon Prince, like that kind of yes. vibe. Like that's, that's what very I good. that's what I was reminded of. Um, just like that kind of like balance between like just enough like you know cheesy fantasy entry, just enough like you know comic relief, you know just. You know, the line that's empty, good and evil and morality and stuff being funny and enemies having a heart. And it's just, I, I really enjoy what it's done. Like, it's different from, Fire Emblem can be quite doom and gloomy. Like, <laughs> it's just like, end of the world, everyone's dying, three people are going to betray you in the next 24 hours. You know, it's all terrible. It's horrendous. Like, I really enjoy the more lighthearted approach to that sort of, I suppose, high fantasy stuff that wargroove has taken so i'm enjoying it so far i have had a moment where i've been like oh this is so tedious or oh you know god this is just too cheesy like i haven't seen that yet so i am really enjoying myself and i think it would be a great anime so anyone out there want to make a wargroove anime people would watch it dogs are great highly marketable (laughs) certainly that uh intro is amazing oh hell yeah i really like that yeah yeah amazing um, on the art style, the the animations are just utterly beautiful. I think we mentioned this this last week. Although, be honest, have you turned them off the battle animations? Yes, <laughs> I have. I I I think I left them on initially for everyone, and then I had them on for just me, and then I had them on for like just commanders, and then I just thought, why am I kidding myself? I hate these, and I just turned them off. <laughs> I, I had the same gradient process where it was, yeah, to, yeah. to just, just my team, then just the commanders, and then, you know what, this speeds it up a whole lot if yeah, I just turn them off altogether. Exactly. It, you do lose something. There is charm lost, mm. but it just speeds up the process. Definitely. And the, the, you can skip the the uh, the scenes like ad hoc, but it just takes too long, and they're nearly done by the time it skips anyway. So exactly, yeah. that that's that's a little thing they need to improve. Because then I, I think I would turn them back on if I could just skip ad hoc like that. Mm. Uh, Sandra, how are you finding the campaign? Uh, I'm in Act Six of seven acts total, and I'm kind of having the same problem that I have with XCOM and Mario Press rabbits where uh mm-hmm. this game is kind of exhausting to play <laughs> yeah I, I i i can feel that it's i get this with every turn-based strategy game well i don't have this with advanced wars i i can and have happily played advanced wars for 10 hours at a time without noticing and <laughs> <laughs> but wargroove i love it it's a great game but it definitely has that fatigue aspect to it and i think 
the difficulty it might be a large part of that because advanced wars once you understand the macro game to it and the meta game it's it's really easy to just play it on autopilot but you can't do that in war group you have to actually think about what you're doing and what you're building you have to actually counter the things that your enemy is building and you have to really pay attention to where you're moving your units because units do get critical hits if they are positioned in specific ways so you really need to make sure that you're building your army to complement the terrain that you're working in and also that you're moving your army to complement their different critical hit statuses and that takes a lot more focus and effort than <laughs> advance wars ever required even though there was still quite a bit of strategy involved in how you moved your army around in that and then in, when the campaign how that all works in you usually begin each map and this this escalates the deeper into the campaign you get at a significant disadvantage and you really spend most of the time you're actually playing a map just clawing your way towards level ground and this is one of the weirder things about the campaign in this game is there's really no reason for the computer to ever lose to you in a lot of these maps because they have the resources and they have the buildings to outproduce you every single turn. But you just got to keep picking off at them until basically they just kind of quit trying and then that lets you pull ahead. And that's only really happening in the campaign mode in the arcade mode you always begin with the completely level playing field and it the the ai seems to behave in a completely different way there so uh, that's kind of the reason i'm a little exhausted with the campaign is every single map is kind of a slog and i was super into this game last weekend when it first came out i was trying to play it all day long but i very quickly got worn down to the point where i could really only do two or three campaign maps a day Okay, so the arcade mode, Andrew, uh, you mentioned it earlier. I feel like you're the one that's probably put the most time into this. Some. Um, <laughs> some. Well, when, last Friday, I did a first look live stream of the game, as I, I've been doing with a lot of the major releases that I've been playing on the Switch. And I beat the first chapter in the campaign, and I unlocked Mercia for arcade mode. And I thought, oh, cool, well, I'll do that. So I, I sat down. And I played through it, and it still took about two and a half hours. But there's a pretty large spoiler of the end of the campaign that you get if you play through the arcade mode, which is, you know, I'm not that precious about spoilers, but I know many people who would be very angry at the game doing that and really not giving you any kind of warning. Uh, but the arcade is kind of has an interesting setup. Uh you select your character and it puts you in this little miniature story where there's actually, it doesn't have the cutscenes like the campaign has, but it does have dialogue between the two commanders on the map that works towards telling this little story. Mm-hmm. And the map that you play on is always randomly selected. And there's actually a rather large pool of maps that it can choose from. Once you get through all five of them, the story is complete, the credits roll, and you unlock a new page of lore for the character you selected. So there's something there to keep you engaged. There's stuff to unlock. Uh, You can also earn stars that you can use to buy uh, new concept art in the gallery. Uh, It's a pretty cool little mode, but I do foresee problems with it. 
one thing, uh, I, I think it would get a little tedious wanting to play it multiple times because it's always a set of five maps. You can't just play a quick arcade match against a computer. Uh, to do that, you actually have to go into the local multiplayer mode and set up a two-player match and set player two for AI. That's the only way you can do it right now, which seems like a a mistake. They, they've said on their website, on, on the Chucklefish website, that they're going to add some quality of life changes to the game. I'm sure one of them is going to be a better way to just play a quick match against the computer without having to go into the arcade mode. And also the commander you face is always in the same order every time you play it with that commander. So it's it's good for playing through when you're trying to unlock stuff. And it's good when you're, you know, still in depth in the game and you're you're still involved in everything that's happening in it. But it's really inadequate as a mode for just playing a quick match. And that's something that really feels like it's missing. Another thing with the arcade mode is you only unlock commanders when you get to a certain point in the campaign mode. And as I've said, the campaign mode is very long and it's very difficult. I, it, there is difficulty sliders in the campaign, but I could still see it being maybe too much for some people. Uh, but like, say my favorite commanders are mostly the, the blue army commanders you don't unlock them until almost the end of the campaign. So <laughs> uh, the arcade mode is very restrictive at the start unless you put a lot of time into finishing the campaign, which is another unfortunate thing about that mode. I think that mode has a lot of promise, but it, it definitely needs those quality of life changes. And puzzle mode, you've had a poke at that as well? Yes. <laughs> Have you played puzzle mode at all, Janie? No, I have not. <laughs> no. You unlock it when you get to Act 4 in the campaign, and it sticks you on a little map that has a, a little scenario playing out. It's kind of like a, like if you go online and you can find like half-finished chess games where you're like you're supposed to get to checkmate in a certain number of moves. It's a lot like that. Is In one turn, exactly one turn, you have to move all of the units that are on the map around uh, and win the game just using your resources that you're given uh, by either killing the enemy commander or destroying their stronghold and they start off fairly basic you know i'm not the best person to ask because you know i've been playing uh advanced wars so much so i i kind of have the mindset needed uh to solve these puzzles but even i got stumped after a while uh, there's only 26 total but you know, you shouldn't complain about there only being 26 because they are pretty tricky. <laughs> uh, there's actually an option to even make your own puzzle maps that you can then upload online. So if you're attracted to this part of the game, it's actually a pretty substantial part of it that it will continue to grow as the community does. It's an interesting idea. It's not something I would have thought to have included in a game like Wargroove and... It's a nice addition. It will definitely make you a smarter player, even if it's a lot more abstract than actual situations you're going to encounter in an actual game. Sounds neat. Um, so the online multiplayer, we discussed that uh, last week, which is uh, asynchronous. Uh, I believe you and Craig had been setting up some matches. Is that right? Yeah, our, our 
composer and editor Craig and I have been playing a match, and it works. It does work. It's and it is very asynchronous. I, I created a match, and I thought I had to wait for somebody to join me before the match could start. But once I backed out of it, I actually saw my match was still sitting there, and it was still waiting for somebody to join. So I just gave Craig the little code for it that the the lobby had set up for us, and then he joined it, and then it just waited for me to take my first turn. Uh, and it just goes back and forth between us. I can take my turn whenever I like, and then it'll update the lobby on the multiplayer menu and it'll say your turn and then Craig will take his turn and his thing will change to their turn and we just go back and forth like that. It it does work. It works quite well, uh, but it's just hindered by the infrastructure of the Switch because there's really no system in place that will let somebody know that it's their turn uh, unless they actually boot the game up and load the multiplayer menu and actually look. Now, in the Steam version of the game, it actually uses the Steam dashboard and it sends you a notification when it's your turn. So it would be nice if the Switch dashboard could be unlocked a little bit so that way you can actually receive notifications like that. But I, I understand the situations that opens up and, you know, just being bombarded with notifications by every multiplayer game you play so i understand that's probably not going to happen but asynchronous multiplayer is there and it works it's just not terribly user-friendly unless you literally have the wargroove app open whenever your switch is turned on i think that's something they could patch in, in into the the menu i guess um, also worth mentioning that it's uh, cross-play with PC and Xbox, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, not PS4 yet, because they're still in beta and their cross-play thing. <laughs> oh, it's not um, out on PS4 yet. I thought I saw it on there the other day. Probably not. Maybe it's on the coming soon. Uh, the last thing to talk about is the editor. This is something that me 10 years ago would have adored, mm-hmm. but I just <laughs> don't have the time to sit there and get knee deep into how to yeah. balance things. Have either of you had a play at the editor? I've been wanting to do that. I've seen some cool stuff made with it, um, but I have just never had that um, skill set in me. Like, I couldn't even put together like a good Mario, a good Mario level. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably beyond my skills. But I've seen some cool stuff out there, um, and, and I think that people are gonna come up really, really creative stuff. So I'm keen to see what other people make of it. Um, but as well, I can actually do it myself. I'll just watch on the sidelines, maybe. <laughs> I poked around in the editor for a little bit i didn't actually make anything because i just i wanted to focus on getting the campaign done uh that's what most of my energy and work has gone to before but from what i've looked at in the editor and from what the developers at chucklefish have said it is completely possible to recreate the entire campaign using that editor Uh, you just have to have you just have to know how to do it and have the skills to do it and there are some interesting map ideas in there it's not just a straight up destroy the hq or kill the commander in every single mission in that there's there's a few maps where you have to like uh take your very small army and you have to keep them all alive because you don't get replacements and you have to send them to specific flags on the map to activate different cutscenes. and this editor will let you make maps just like that, and it'll also let you add cutscenes to them, and it will let you add them onto a world map so you can tell your own story, and the developers have said you can make the entire Wargroove built-in campaign with this editor if you 
if you try, and I completely believe that you can do it. I've had a few ideas of things I'd like to make with it, but I <laughs> I don't want to say that I'm going to because I often get ideas of doing things like that and then do not follow through on it. But <laughs> there are already several things uploaded online. The game is still, you know, practically... It's only a week old, so there's not much there yet. But I have no doubt in the coming year there's going to be some very cool things put on there, and I have every intention of playing them and talking about them on the podcast. Uh, also worth mentioning, I saw the official Twitter account had done like a blog post on the the best ones so far, or the ones they felt were the best. So there there is some sort of like advertising and curation mm-hmm. going on be- behind highlighting good ones as well. Uh, and of course, uh, Craig, he did a scarily accurate representation of the show in wargroove form which was very funny uh, i felt called out but i couldn't argue with it um check our twitter account where we retweeted it use the code and you'll get to see that for yourselves okay guys what are we playing in this coming week i'm gonna be playing wargroove hopefully finishing off the campaign and more tales of vesperia because i really 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 want to get that with. I'm going to finish Wargroove. I am going to finish it this weekend. I'm doing it. It's happening. And next week, there's an interesting puzzle game coming out that combines two of my favorite puzzle games, Minesweeper and Nonograms slash Pycross. And I'm super interested in it. It's called Minesweeper Genius. Uh, it's five bucks. So yeah, I'm going to check that out. Cool. I'm just going to keep going at Wargroove and interspersing it with New Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. Uh, when I get frustrated with it. And, oh hey, I, I managed to get through the show without mentioning d***les. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just joking. But you um, said Fire Emblem, so it doesn't count. Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community, or follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Details are on our website. Thanks in advance. If you want to follow us individually, Andy is at Flamerous Toast, Ginny is at Ginny Woes, and I am at Play Critically.
If you don't do the end, you can't have your dessert. I don't want any dessert. 